morning, everyone. It's good to see you here. Uh, we're going to continue with our series, When the Walls Are Gone. This is number six in that series. Um, yesterday, I have to tell you about an event yesterday. I was able to be a part of a beautiful wedding in Montevallo yesterday. Um, uh, beautiful couple, Nicholas and Barbara Holcomb got married, and it was, it was great. It's just I, I had a, an event occur that I don't want to occur this morning. Uh, as it was sort of hot in the building, and we'd been in sort of a little back closet, you know, the guys before we come out. And obviously when I came out, a little gnat came with me. And so I stood up, and the, the bride comes, and the father is standing there. It's just awesome. And um, it's my turn to say we've gathered here before God and these people. And when I took my breath to say when... The little gnat was right here, and it just went right down. And, I, and instead of going, we've gathered here, it was more like, <coughs> and the bride looked at me like, oh, my gosh, what is going to happen? And, uh, but that little fella is digested now. And everything turned out just fine, and so we're going to keep going. So it happens. It happens. Our series, I have enjoyed so much being a part of this series out of Nehemiah. A lot of people don't really know a lot about Nehemiah. It's sort of tucked in the middle of the Old Testament and doesn't just stand out as one of those with all the famous verses everybody remembers. But um, it's been a really fun series. And we've, we've covered a lot of things. And I'm, I'm not going to review them all. just going to say this. Nehemiah was a Jewish man who worked for the king of the world. Uh, really, the Persian Empire was the world. And he worked for him and got permission to come and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which had been torn down uh, many years before. And uh, because marauders and bandits were going through and the people of God who had returned home after a lifetime in bondage were being seriously affected by these these bands of people who are making their lives miserable. And uh, we've talked about all the things that, that were useful in God accomplishing his purpose. We've talked about, about prayer. We've talked about uh, courage. Uh, last week, we talked about the awesome fear of God, the awesomeness of God. Really, Nehemiah's job has not just been an administrator. He's been like the master motivator. <laughs> He's been like the courage giver as well as the planner for everything. And it's been an amazing thing. And one of the, the deals that we've run into is there's always been this guy, just sort of like that gnat. His name was Sanballat. Sanballat the gnat. And that little gnat came around and tried to mess everything up. Tried to mess. He, he, he's, he's working, really, for the enemy of God's people. And it's okay with him that marauders and bandits come through and rob people because he gets part of it. And, he's, and he acts like he's there for the king, for the emperor of Persia, but he's not. And so today we run into something else. And this is a big deal. I am, I'm so excited about chapter 6. Big deal. Nehemiah chapter 6, if you'll join with me, I want to read that, okay? Here we go. When the word, when word came to Sanballat the gnat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, 
and the rest of our enemies that had built the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I'd not set the doors in the gates. Don't you love this detail? Sanballat and Geshem sent me a message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plains of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project. I can't go down. Why should the work stop and while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat the Nat sent his aid to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. And I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You are making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. Did you hear what Nehemiah did? Nehemiah called out Sanballat's words as a bold-faced lie. He called it a lie. Folks, the worst spanking I ever got in my life is because I lied. No, really, it's true. I, I got three spankings I can so totally remember. And it wasn't because of their ferocity. It was because of how big a deal my parents made it. I mean, when I was seven, I got a spanking every day. <laughs> uh, at least a swat every day. I, I don't know why. It was either because I was difficult or my mother had just had my sister and she just couldn't handle me. I wasn't sure. The worst, the three worst ones I can remember. One of them was because it was January after Christmas and I'd gotten this little console car. It wasn't video back then. It was a little squirrel running around with this little tape thing in there. Like you were on a road or whatever. It's awesome. And in January after I got it on Christmas, I destroyed it with a hammer and told my dad I'd had a wreck. I mean... You get a little bored doing the same little thing all the time. That was one I remember. And the second one was just awful. I busted out laughing at the funeral of my great-grandmother at the graveside. It wasn't because of her. It was because my cousin had a fly land on her face and she hit herself in the face. So I started laughing. Woo, was it bad when I got home. When my dad got home, it was bad, and it was his grandmother. So, woo. But the worst one was over the dumbest thing. Every night, my mom would say, okay, Mark, time to go to bed. Have you brushed your teeth? And my answer, yes, ma'am. Now, I had taken precaution I had not brushed my teeth, but I had run my toothbrush through the water so that if she checked the toothbrush, it would be wet. And so I lied to her. Yes, ma'am. She didn't figure it out because of the wet toothbrush 
She figured it out because of the green slime on my teeth. And I remember, I didn't, get, I didn't get a spanking for not brushing my teeth. I got a spanking for lying to mom. Because lying was a big deal. Just like cheating in school nowadays, it seems that lying has become something in American culture that's not that big a deal anymore. The reason that Hollywood stars and athletes and pop icons and pundits and news anchors and tycoons and politicians all seem to get away with lying it's because most people don't care if they do or not because they lie all the time. Really, it's true. It's, it's a pandemic in our country. It's familiar turf. But Nehemiah called out Sanballat's lie for what it was. It was a lie. Sanballat threatened him with, oh, the king's going to really be mad. You're in big trouble, dude. You're being rebellious against the Persian emperor. You're going to try to declare yourself king. And the last time somebody did that, he punished them terribly. But this wasn't last time. Nehemiah knew who he worked for. Nehemiah was friends with the king of Persia. He had been his cupbearer. He was on the emperor's mission and actually had the emperor's guards guarding him. He called it out for what it was. It was a threatening, fear-mongering lie. And the motive behind that lie was to discourage the people from building the wall which was going to protect them from the bands of marauders. Folks, I'm convinced today that the vast majority of hang-ups that most Christians have is because we believe Satan's lies. We believe the lies of a stinking gnat. Why shouldn't it be like that? After all, it was a lie and a series of lies that Satan told Eve, and she believed them, and Adam believed them, and we've been dealing with the consequences ever since. Lies. Pastor Jay, this morning, what he spoke about of what's going on in our country, the way people react, they're reacting to lies. What Pastor Jay said this morning about the kingdom of God and Kingwood Church and about we standing together and loving one another no matter what, that's the truth. Amen. The world is the one speaking the lies. One thing's for sure, liars lie. That's what they do. And Satan is the father of lies. Jesus was con conversing with some religious people and uh, they were they were leading the people under them, the Pharisees were, they were leading people astray. And this is what Jesus said. It said, John 8, 44. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Recently, our prayers have been really enriched when, uh, during our prayer times when we acknowledge God's purposes in our life by adding the phrase, because that's what you do to the end of our prayers. Like, God, I ask you to free my son from drugs and depression because that's what you do. God, I ask you to heal my wife because that's what you do. It's, it's, it's liberating. It's, it's powerful. It, it's the truth. 
Well, the reverse is true too. When Satan speaks, he lies. At least a part of what he says, whether he whispers it to you or shouts it to you, at least a part of it is a lie. In fact, I guarantee you, when he does speak little bits of truth, it's all underwritten by a giant lie. It's the truth. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and uh, Satan said to him, hey, if you'll just throw yourself down in public view from this tower and let the Lord uh, send his angels to scoop you up before you hit the ground, well, then you can prove that you're God. Doesn't the Bible say that angels will scoop you up before you hit the ground? Listen, he, he quoted a legit scripture from Psalms. Yeah. So did the devil say anything that was true? Yeah, he said two things that were true. One, he quoted the Bible verse correctly. And number two, Jesus is God. But the greater lie was that Satan was trying to get Jesus to accomplish God's purpose through his superpowers. <laughs> but God's proof was not through superpowers. It was through the cross and then the resurrection of Jesus. He wasn't there to prove his superpowers. He was there to save mankind, and Satan wanted to thwart that. So what did he do? He tried to get Jesus off message. And so he mixed the lie with the truth, and that's exactly what he does often. What did Jesus say back to him? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Tempt him to do what? To, to change God's purpose for bringing him to earth in the first place. Jesus discerned, now listen carefully, Jesus discerned what Satan said was a lie. He wasn't tricked by the Bible verse that was taken out of context, and he wasn't tricked by the human logic that he could impress people by his superpowers. By the way, it wouldn't have worked anyway. It really wouldn't have. Jesus did all kind of miracles all the time. And it still didn't change anyone's eternal status. Only the cross and the resurrection could do that. And Jesus knew it. Well, Nehemiah did the same thing to Sanballat's lie. He called it out because it was underwritten by a much bigger lie for the purposes of discouraging the people from building the wall around Jerusalem. And then the marauders and bandits would continue to do what they'd been doing. And Sanballat would fill his pockets as he had always done. Now listen carefully. If we start believing even one of the devil's lies, when we begin believing with even one, it begins to infiltrate our life. It begins to infiltrate every cell of our being. That lie begins to, to speak to us in our spirit, in our soul, in our body, and it can make us sick in every way, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, just by believing the lies of the enemy. We begin entertaining Satan's thoughts in our mind. We stop agreeing with God and we start agreeing with the devil. We plunge ourselves in our own downward spiral. But folks, the Holy Spirit will help us discern the difference between the truth and the lie. Sanballat was able to discern it because he was a man of prayer. Then we can stop agreeing with the devil and start aligning ourselves with what God says in his word. Staying true to God's plan for our life. 
Now, hey, now don't think Satan's going to stop fighting back just because you decide to agree with God. Don't think he's not going not to keep throwing things at you. I want you to look at what happened to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 8. Uh, I, I think I've read this already, but uh, just go to verse 8. Go back to verse 8, I'm sorry. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now, he used to pray to God, strengthen my hands. One day, I went to the house of Shaniah, the son of Deliah. <laughs> the son of Deliah is right. The son of, that, that just went, came to my brain, I'm sorry. <laughs> the son of Mehetabel, these names, who was shut in his home and he said, let's meet in the house of God inside the temple. Let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go to the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He'd been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O oh God, because of what they've done. Remember the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets had been trying to intimidate me. Let me tell you what the enemy did. The enemy started intimidating him. He, the Bible says Nehemiah continued in prayer. That's why he was able to discern the next one. Is because he didn't just pray one time and say, got it. He kept praying. He continued in prayer. God, strengthen my hand. Give me good ears. See, one of Satan's big deals is peer pressure. Yes, it's otherwise known as group intimidation, majority rule, cultural coolness, political correctness, fear of looking stupid, fear of rejection, etc. All those things. Peer pressure. So Sanballat, the gnat, the bad guy, hired Shemaiah, who was a well-known religious man who was thought to have prophetic gifts, to go talk to Nehemiah. So he says to Nehemiah, quick, Nehemiah, run with us into the temple for safety. God told me that tonight men were going to kind of try to come and kill you. Come on, let's go in and close the door and hide. Aha, pressure from the inside, not just the outside. Pressure from the inside, God told me. Oh my goodness. In America now, there are a lot of people fear-mongering that are believers going, you know, quick, everybody store up your stuff and hide it. Come on. If God blesses you now, be generous now. God will take care of you when you need it the truth good grief sorry <laughs> he got pressure from his friends from his allies and even from somebody that appeared to be a prophet not just his enemies it was pressure from the inside and the outside but Nehemiah quickly discerned that as well if Nehemiah ran like a coward and ran away from it, wouldn't it, wouldn't it not tell all the people building the wall to do the same thing he said, I'm not taking that bait. No, I'm not doing that. Now, let me ask you this. Can we learn something from Nehemiah today? Can we learn something from this story 
tucked away in the pages of Nehemiah? Yes. Here are two things that we can learn right now from Nehemiah chapter 6. Here's the first one. Satan always uses lies to thwart the plans of God. Don't you love that word thwart? I love it. What a great word. Let me show you what it means. Thwart, to hinder, obstruct, frustrate, prevent, to successfully stop. Now, this, this is randomly weird, but I'm randomly weird at times. It comes from an old Viking word, like I know Viking or something, that means literally warped and crooked. Thwart means warped and crooked. Makes sense. In Philippians 2.15, we read this. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. How about that? That's exactly, we live right now in a warped and crooked world that lives by lies being spoken, lies, people believing lies. And God said, I want you to be different. I don't want you to live by the lie that's out there. The enemy is disseminating lies. God wants us to be different from this world. We all know we live in a warped and crooked generation. Our world's full of it. We hear it every day. Even people without the aid of the Holy Spirit can discern some of them, really. It just takes using a brain to figure out that some things are lies and not very good. Let me give you a few. Let's consider some obvious lies that uh, don't take a Philadelphia lawyer to figure out, okay? Here's the first one. If someone said it on TV or the internet, it's got to be true. Is that true or a lie? It's a lie. How about this one? If we elect the right people, our nation's problems will be solved. Lie. How about this one? Gambling casinos and lotteries will help me have a lot more money. <laughs> Lie. How about this one? Social media like Facebook and Twitter is an excellent place to have deep, thoughtful conversations with others on serious matters of politics and theology. Please. How about this one? Revenge, threats, and lawsuits are the best way to get what you deserve. Don't you love those commercials? You deserve a payout. <laughs> All right, how about this one? Drinking alcohol and using drugs is my business and will not affect anyone but me. Lie. Oh, this one. Sex and love are the same thing. Lie. Oh, what about this one? All religions are really about the same God. Big lie. <laughs> this one. Everybody, everyone should be able to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Chaos. How about this one? There's no right and wrong. It's just your opinion. Now, those are lies. Sadly enough, a lot of people in our society and even in church don't discern those lies. That's sad enough. But what about those lies, listen carefully, what about those lies from Satan, even in the church, that have found a home deep inside your mind and your spirit, maybe ever since childhood? Some things that are never spoken, they're not posted on social media, they're not talked about on television. 
I'm going to give you two of them. There are many, many, and today there's no way to go through them. I want to give you two big ones. And here are the lies that many of you may have dealt with. Here's the first one. I am unlovable. Not just I don't feel loved, but I'm unlovable. Maybe it's because of where you came from or what you've done. Maybe it's because of the sins you can't forgive yourself of. Maybe it's because someone told you you weren't good enough or smart enough or talented enough or important enough. Or maybe no one actually said those things to you, but you believed it anyway. Maybe it's because you got hurt by a person or by church or by God and you can't get over it. Maybe it's because of a failed relationship or a lack of relationship. Maybe it's because you didn't live up to everyone's expectation or someone else's expectation or your own expectations of yourself. How could anyone love me if they only knew the real me? Why would God want to listen to my prayers? I'm unlovable. It's true. That, that resonates deep on the inside of a lot of people. I am unlovable. They don't even know how to feel it because they feel so unlovable, even by God. How about this one? I am a victim. I'm a target. I can't trust anyone anymore. I've been done wrong. I feel so insecure. People are out to get me. God is out to get me. Everyone's judging me. Life's a competition and I'm the loser. I need to get even. I have a right to be jealous. I don't want to trust anyone anymore. I'm suffering from a lack of confidence and it's so-and-so's fault. I'm helpless. I'm stuck. I'm angry. I'm alone. I'm frustrated. I feel abandoned. I'm depressed. I don't care anymore. I'm a victim. Those are just two huge ones that we could actually camp on. We could camp on those and a lot more. They're lies. They're fostered in people's hearts and minds and nourished by our society. We cover them up with work, with words, with sin, with religion, but they're still there and we still believe them. Why does Satan attack us with lies? So he can hinder and stop God's purpose for your life. The reasons God puts you on this earth. So in closing, here's the second thing we can learn from Nehemiah 6. God will help you discern the lies and reject the lies. Take that lie, I'm unloved, I'm unlovable. I don't feel loved. I don't think I'm even lovable. It's a lie. It's a bona fide lie. Discern it as a lie. Recognize it as a lie. Call it what it is, a lie. The only antidote to a lie is the truth. And the truth doesn't come from science, medicine, or Oprah. It comes from God's Word. God says, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The Word says, for God loved the world so much that He gave His Son, Jesus, on the cross. The cross is what tells you about your value to God. You're worth what the Father paid for you. And He paid the ultimate price for you. His Son dying on a cross. For many of you sitting here today, you feel unlovable and you don't even realize that's what you're feeling. It's because you've believed a lie and it's sort of in your head and stays in your head and you've believed it. 
Well, today is the day you can start ingraining the truth into your head and into your heart. I'm loved. God loves me more than anyone. He has a purpose for me, and I'm not going to miss it. Do you hear that? I'm loved. God loves me more than anyone. He has a purpose for me, and I'm not going to miss it. Say those truths every day, over and over and over. They're powerful, not because you repeat them. They're powerful because they're God's truth. Because it's God's Word. It won't happen overnight, but you can make an about-face turn, and God will help you discern a lie and reject it. Take that second lie. I'm a victim. It's been ingrained in your mind and in your heart. You walk around with a target on your back and someone to blame on your lips. All the time. You're angry, you walk around with a massive chip on your shoulder. You feel alone. You feel on the verge of giving up. But God says this. If God is for you, who can be against you? The Word says, you are my refuge, Lord, and my strength. God promises, even if your father and mother forsake you, I will not forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. He can work all things together for good of those who put their trust in Him. The Word tells us before you were born, He was crafting you in your mother's womb. He knows our life and our future before it even happens. We're not a victim. We're the object of His love. The object of His love. The apple of His eye. I love Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, and I know everybody in the world uses this, but it is so powerful. For I know the plans I have for you. Put your name in there. For I know the plans I have for Mark Sims. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and I will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I'm, I'm just being honest with you folks. The lie or the truth? Nehemiah discerned a lie. He called it out and he refused to believe it. And as a result, many, many people were saved. Hey, just think about yourself right now. Are you filled with a lie to the enemy? Have you been believing? Do you live in fear? Do you live in fear of man instead of the awesomeness of God? Nehemiah's message to us is as relevant today as ever before. It's about truth or lies. It's about truth or lies. I believe the truth. I choose the truth this morning. Can I get you to stand with me? Worship team, if you want to come on out, let me tell you what I want to do today. Instead of calling for our prayer team to come to the front, I'm going to ask any of you in this place who in your mind right now, there is a, there is Inside of you, there's this thing of going, oh my goodness, I'm ready right now to turn my back on the lie and believe the truth. That's on the inside of you right now. I'm going to ask you to join me in a prayer. I'm not even going to call you to the front to do that. I'm going to ask you right where you are. If everyone, if you'll just lift your hands toward heaven, and if this is in your heart, I want you to pray this with me. Father, I choose the truth. 
instead of the lie. I will not listen to what the enemy says. I will not act upon what the enemy says. I will believe you. I will believe your word. I will be filled with courage. And I will call it a lie when the enemy lies to me. I am loved by you. I am not a victim. I am your son or daughter. And I love you with all my heart. I trust you with this, Jesus. Now look this way. This isn't a one-time prayer. This isn't a one-time prayer. This is what you do when you're driving to work in the morning. And the enemy comes to you with fear and tells you what a failure you are. And I, think, I want you to say, wait a minute. I'm not going to believe the lie. I'm going to believe the truth. God has my best uh, plans in his heart. And I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. And I'm going to walk today in his truth. And then the next day. And then the next day. And no matter what comes your way. If you, as they spoke, I thought it was incredible. Montevallo Blues. I, 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 when I, when blues hit you, you say, God, I belong to you. I'm not going to believe the lie. It's a choice we make. It's not an altar we respond to. It's a choice we make. I'm going to ask you to do that this week. Father, dismiss us in your love. Dismiss us in the confidence to know we believe the truth and never the lie. In Jesus' name,